you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 24, verses 36 through, 90, uh, through 29, 39. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 39. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Good morning, church. Thank you, Larry, for reading that for us. I want to encourage you that um, to pull out your bulletin and notice some of the things going on. Notice all the many things that we have going on in our church family. And I want to mention something about the picnic today. First of all, uh, we maybe we didn't communicate that as well, and we apologize for that. But uh, as Donnie said, uh, our services tonight will be over at the Tennessee Street Park. And there will be transportation. If you wouldn't like to uh, take uh, opportunity of that, uh, and uh, that will be leaving here at the building at 4.30. We have talked to the Presbyterian Church and also uh, Hardin County Bank, so those parking lots will be available. I would like to ask you, if you could, leave those uh, right by the, the fencing there uh, for those who may not can uh, walk as well, and those of us that can walk and do not mind walking, park in those other parking lots. Uh, but if you would like to take advantage of the bus traveling over there, uh, that will be leaving here from our parking lot at 4.30. I want to I wanna encourage you to open up your bulletin. I want, you to, I want to draw your attention to one thing. Brother Bill mentioned to us last week about a, a young man that he's been talking to and befriended and trying to encourage uh, who had surgery this past week, uh, Zach Buttram. Uh, his uh, name is there, about th- three down on the additional sick list, uh, and his address is there. That surgery went well, but we want to encourage all of you uh, Bill has been trying to uh, work with this young man and uh, to look for opportunities to share the gospel. And what an opportunity that would give by all of us taking just a, a small amount of time to write him a note of encouragement, uh, telling him how, that we've been praying for him uh, and that we continue to pray for him and encouraging him in that way. So if you could at all do that this week, please uh, take just a few moments and the address is there in the bulletin and write Zach a note. I know he would appreciate it. I know Bill would and it would give us an opportunity as a congregation of God's people uh, to encourage Zach and hopefully uh, encourage his heart and hopefully encourage the opportunity uh, to share with him uh, the message of God. Uh, Wasn't that wonderful for our second graders to receive those Bibles this morning? Congratulations to those young people. Uh, And I continue to be amazed at the young people that we have come through our Bible classes. Uh, But I want to encourage you to tell others uh, because we have young people learning things about the Bible, reciting those things before us, which is not an easy task, by the way. And and also being promoted and having the opportunity to be given a, a copy of God's Word. Exciting times here and exciting things that we have going on. So we are thankful if you're here visiting. We're thankful for you being with us today. And we hope that you are encouraged and have been encouraged by just the the small things that we've done already today. I want us to think, open your Bibles there if you, if you have, or, or keep them open to Matthew chapter 24 and 25. We'll primarily be in chapter 25. Uh, but uh, this is a lesson that 
uh, I was asked to do a few weeks ago on a summer series down in Florence. And as I thought about some of the things that I learned or things that were brought to my attention, uh, I wanted to share that with you during this particular month as we're thinking about being all in the Word of God. The Word of God teaches us so many things. And as we think about the second coming of Jesus, I just want us to start this morning by thinking about that and how our lives apply to that. Have you ever just really thought about what we will be doing? Or about how I will respond when the Lord returns? It's easy for us to talk about things of this nature and, and, and yet not really... Uh, contemplate our own soul and our own individuality of how we stand in view of the return of Jesus. Biblical prophecy uh, provides some of the greatest encouragement and hope available to us today. As the Old Testament prophesied and looked forward to the first coming of Jesus, so both Testaments also give us courage and speak a lot about the second coming of Christ. One commentator, scholar said this, he has estimated that there are 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament, where 17 books give it prominence. In the 260 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ, an amazing one out of every 30 verses. He goes on to say that 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event. For every prophecy in the Bible concerning Christ's coming, there are eight which look forward to His second coming. And I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but there, there's been times over the years where people talk about the end of times. Uh, it seemed that at the turn of the millennium, when in the year 2000, when that was approaching, people were talking about the end of times. And, and now with all the different things and, and, and with uh, the eclipse tomorrow, by the way, make sure you have glasses. If not, don't look at it. Because um, we, we want you to be able to continue seeing. But amazing thing that, that God has created and so as all these things are coming, a lot of talk about the end of time and the return of Jesus. And you know, it's easy. We could get caught up in all the signs, all the things that we read about in Scripture, all the things that all the different people say. You can watch YouTube videos about it. Just Google end of time. And there are things being put on the Internet today about the end of time, tribulation, rapture, and all these things. And it's important for us to think about those things, but there are some things that I want us to think about that I think are key and most important. Whatever happens, whenever it happens, these are things that I believe are key to us in eternity. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 at the end there that Larry read for us. That no one knows the day or the hour, right? Jesus has said that. No one knows. No one knows when that is. But I want you to notice what he said at the end of chapter 24, or towards the end. Verse 42. He says, Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, 
that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The Son of Man is coming at an hour we do not expect. Uh, like a person breaking into a house, he gives an example. If the master knew, he would have been there ready and had the police or our authorities there ready to arrest this person. Uh, so though predictions are made, the Bible says we do not know when that will take place. Uh, Paul and Peter weigh in on this matter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So with all this talk and all, as people think about the end of time and the second coming of Jesus, what are some things that Jesus teaches us from Matthew chapter 25 that we need to remember? First of all, I want us to notice in verse 25. Notice what Jesus says. He begins with this parable of the wise and foolish virgins. And on your electronic device or in your Bible, I want you to follow along with me as we think about this parable. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, Say, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, As surely I say to you, I do not know you. The first thing I think Jesus is trying to remind us of is, whenever that time is, be prepared. Be prepared for it. Uh, because it's coming. We'll talk about that in a minute. But be prepared for it. These virgins or maidens, your virgin might say, are kind of like our bridesmaids today. In that day and time, uh, generally at night, that's why they needed lamp, oils and lamp, uh, the procession and these virgins or maidens or bridesmaids would be in this procession. Uh, the wedding would take place at the, at the groom's house, the bridegroom, and, and the bride would be in a, led in the procession from her house or father's house to that of the groom. And at night. And that's why they needed oil. That's why they needed uh, oil and lamps for guiding through that procession. After church one Sunday, there was a young lady. They had been studying about the second coming of Jesus. And she began to quiz her mom later that day. And she said, Mom, do you believe that Jesus is coming? Yes, dear. Well, do you believe that, that He's coming today? 
Yes, dear. What about this minute? Yes, dear. And the little girl said, Mommy, would you comb my hair? You see, what did she understand? She understood, this little child understood that if Jesus is returning, I need to be ready. I need to be prepared. And that's what Jesus wanted His followers to understand. Be prepared. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know when the Lord will return. But be prepared. Have you ever thought why the wise maidens virgins virgins did not share their oil with the foolish? I, I mean, wouldn't that have been simple? Of course, Jesus says, listen, they said, if, we would have done, if they would have done that, then there wouldn't have been any left. Because here's the lesson. We cannot prepare for someone else. You cannot prepare for me and I cannot prepare for you. The reality is, I have to prepare for myself. On the day of judgment when the Lord returns, I'm going to answer for me. No one else. I can't make the excuse, well, so-and-so did so-and-so. Well, because uh, they were in my way or because uh, they were doing this, I couldn't do that. No. We can't even say, the devil made me do it. Because I'm going to answer for my choices and for how I lived according to God's Word. I cannot prepare for anyone else but me. Paul would say in Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. You see, as we think about the second coming, we've been studying in the book of Revelation, and in that book of Revelation, Jesus is trying to give comfort to those churches. He's trying to give comfort, but He's also trying to challenge them to be ready for the storms that would come. And ultimately, be ready for the day that Jesus would return. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter what's happening in our culture, our obligation, our call, our challenge is to be ready. Our challenge is to answer the question, am I ready? I love Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 11. Notice it on the screen. He says, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for My yoke is easy and My burden is light. Jesus gives that invitation. Are, are you tired? Are you struggling? It seems like no matter how good you do, you continue to be beat down by those around. And Jesus would say, hold on. The message that through Jesus to the angels in the churches in the book of Revelation is, there's victory. You hang on. There's victory in Jesus. Maybe we should ask the question. Listen to this question. Have I surrendered my life to Him in faith and obedience? Brother Roy prayed for that this morning. That if there's any here who have not surrendered their life through faith and obedience to Jesus, that that might take place. And listen, this is our earnest plea. 
Number one, God loves you. Number two, we love you. And number three, we want to see you in heaven whenever the Lord returns. Have I allowed my faith to lead to action? James chapter 2 and verse 26. And because of my faith in Jesus being buried with Him in baptism, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 8, 36 through 39, and chapter 9 and verse 18, signifying this, the giving and surrendering of my life to Jesus. If not, why not? You see, one reason I really like to think about the second coming of Jesus and the end of time is because in all the videos that I've watched, when that message comes across, it comes across as a fearful day. And you see, Jesus in Matthew 25 is saying, if I'm prepared, it's not a fearful day. It's not a fearful time. Because there's victory in Jesus. But Paul says there are those who should be fearful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, notice it. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire. Notice what he says. Taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the people who ought to be fearful, the unprepared... Those who deny God and practice evil. And then those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Jesus said, listen, you don't know when the hour or the day is. But like the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, He said, you must be prepared. But I want you to notice the second parable that he gives. He gives us this parable of the talents. And generally we teach this parable about uh, taking the talents and abilities that God has given you and use them for His glory. And that's true. But isn't it interesting how he places that right here in speaking about the end of time, the second coming of Jesus? Not only I believe Jesus is saying be prepared, I think He's saying be active. Be active. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. They are his. And he delivered those goods to him. And you remember the story. He he gave one five talents, one two, and the other one. And he said, I want you to take care of these until I return. And when the, Lord, the master returned, the one who had five talents, what did he do? He gained five more. The one who had two talents, he gained two more. But the one with the one talent hid his talent. You see, the parable of the virgins reminds us to wait and be prepared for the Lord. But the parable of the talent reminds us to be active while we wait. It's not a, it's not a passive Waiting. It's not sit by and twiddle our thumbs while we wait on the return of the Lord. One gentleman said this about this passage. 
Matthew wrote his, his gospel account 30 years or so after the church was established. Exciting things were still happening. Uh, Paul was probably making his final journeys after his release from prison and the other Christians were spreading the gospel. Nevertheless, enough time had passed to produce second generation Christians. Probably some congregations had lost their initial zeal and had settled into a comfortable week-to-week existence. Like some of those in the book of Revelation. This commentator quotes or speaks about the church at Laodicea, Revelation 3 and verse 15. The parable of the talent was intended as a wake-up call for first century Christians, he says. Such a message is still needed by 21st Christians today. What's the point that this commentator, and maybe Jesus is trying to get across to us, do not sit idly while you wait on the return of the Lord. Be active. Be active in serving and helping the cause of Christ. I want you to think about some things that this parable of the talent teaches. That following God, number one, following God takes risk. Following God takes risk. Uh, One person said, according to rabbinical writings, if a master entrusted goods to a slave and went away, the slave would eventually have to give account to what the master gave him. It also went on to say that if the master returned and the slave had less, guess what? It was his responsibility to make up the difference. And if he could not, then he was likely thrown in prison. If... It was shown that the slave abused his stewardship. He could be killed. That's what rabbinical teachings under the Jewish uh, people, that's what it taught. And Jesus says, listen, following God, there are some risks. There are some risks involved. When we take and we use our talents and our abilities and our time and our opportunities for God, guess what? There are some risks For example, I might be persecuted. Ever thought about that? You know, some people today, they teach about following God. Listen, if you just follow God, everything's going to work out okay. If you just believe, you just believe and you're faithful to God, guess what? He's going to provide you that house. He's going to provide you that car. He's going to provide you that that high-paying job that you want. And the reality is that's not true. The Bible teaches that God will take care of us. But the Bible also teaches that our mansions are not here. Our mansions are in heaven. That's where we're traveling to. And he says you need to be prepared, but you need to be active. And there are some risks. You might be criticized. You might fail. You possibly could lose friendships. Or even family members. You possibly could lose your life. And in some parts of the world today, that is exactly the case. There are people professing the name of Christ and because of that, they are being murdered. At the height of World War II, there was a famous theologian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was in prison for taking a stand against Hitler. Yet he encouraged other 
believers and other followers of Christ to not give in to the tyranny of, not, of the not, Nazi Germany. And a group of Christians, believing Christians, who followed him, uh, they believed Hitler to be the Antichrist. And, and so as he's encouraging them, they send word to Bonhoeffer. They said, listen, Bonhoeffer, I mean, the Lord is coming. The Lord is going to return one day. Why do you keep doing all this stuff and placing yourself in the danger? And this is what he said. If Jesus returns tomorrow, then tomorrow I will rest from my labor. But today I have work to do. I must continue the struggle until it's finished. That should be the attitude of those of us who are children of God. That we're prepared and that we're being active in our faith taking the necessary risk, and also following God then takes responsibility. The Master, did you notice, gave to each one according to his ability. God has not given us any ability that we cannot handle. And yet, do you find yourself, I do sometimes, saying, well, you know, I can't do that, I'm not good enough. Uh, But we've tried that before, or so-and-so can do that so much better. And you see, here's the idea. God has given all of us talents and abilities, not for our glory, so that people in the world can see our good works and do what? Glorify the Father. Give Him glory. But I'm responsible for taking the talents and abilities God has given me and using those for His glory. You see, what was the problem with the one talented guy? It wasn't so much that he hid the talent. It's that he did nothing. He did nothing. And what was his pronounced judgment? Depart from me, I never knew you. During his 1960 presidential campaign, John F. Kennedy often closed his speeches telling about Colonel Davenport. Colonel Davenport was a speaker of the House of Representatives in Connecticut. And on May 19, 1780, as they were meeting, an ominous cloud rolled up and it it became dark. And several uh, of the others of the representatives cried out, said, It's the end of time! We must adjourn! Davenport rose and said this, The day of judgment is either approaching or it's not. If it is not, there is no cause for the adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. You see, rather than fearing the darkness, he knew he must continue work. Rather than us fearing the darkness, we must stand and be active in the Lord, serving God with our talents and abilities. Jesus said, you need to be prepared. Then Jesus says, you need to be active. And then, as we know, when Jesus tells this parable at the end of the chapter, the parable of the sheep, the parting of the sheep and the goats, Jesus is reminding those people, the end is coming. Jesus will return. 
And the important thing is that we are ready and that we're active as we are ready. The custom of that day, if you remember that parable, the custom of that day was that the sheep and the goats, they grazed together. But at night, they would be separated. And Jesus says, listen, the night is coming. That day is coming. And the sheep will be separated from the goats. And each one, Jesus said, when you did this, you did this to me, you did this to me. And when did we do that? When you did it to the least of these. To the sheep, He says, enter into the joy of your salvation. But to the goats, He says, when you visited me, when did you visit me? When did you do this? When did you not do this? And they said, when did we not do all that, Lord? When you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. You see, here's one, one important fact about living for Christ. Being morally pure and doctrinally correct is not enough. Being morally pure and doctrinally correct is not enough. Jesus wants us to be active in sharing our faith and using our talents and abilities for Him. Not sitting and waiting. Our religion must demonstrate itself by our lives and through the way we help and serve others. James would say in James chapter 1 and verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father uh, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Uh, John would say in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? You see, we, we signify how we treat uh, and how we feel about Christ by the way, number one, John says, how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then how we treat those of us or those in the world. Can people see Jesus living in, in us? Because you see, that makes all the difference. One Worsby in his book, Meet Yourself in the Psalms, tells of a frontier town where a horse bolted and ran away with a wagon while a small child was in there. And in this story, he tells about one young man who risked his life to go stop that, wa- that horse and that wagon and save the child. And that child was saved, but years later he turned into a ruthless person. And here he is standing on trial for a heinous crime and he looks up and he sees the judge and he recognizes the judge as the person that saved him so many years back. And he makes a plea for mercy to the judge because of that experience. And the judge says this, Young man, then I was your Savior. Today I am your judge and I must sentence you to be hanged. One day Jesus will stand before rebellious sinners and He may say something like this, I gave you the opportunity for me to be your Savior, but you denied me. Now I stand as your judge. Depart from me. I never knew you. Into everlasting fire. 
I realize our time is about up, but I want to close with a passage of Scripture. 2 Peter, turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3. I want us to read this Scripture and then I want us to close with an illustration. Peter describes the things that will be happening at the end of time. He speaks of the day of the Lord, beginning in verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God... That doesn't sound very fearful, does it? Looking forward and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, without spot, and blameless. And consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking of them, uh, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, be aware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. What does Peter remind us of? The same thing I believe Jesus reminds us of. The Lord is coming. Of that day, we're not, we're not sure when it will be. It will be like a thief in the night. Look forward to that day. Look forward to that day as you prepare. Today, if you stand unprepared, why do you wait? What holds you back from surrendering your life to the Lord and making Him the Savior of your life? The eunuch asked Philip, Here's water. What's keeping me from dying to the Lord? Philip said, If you believe, you may. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? If so, and you haven't given your life to Him, please do so. Because as Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, that day is coming and no one knows. Peter also reminded us, be careful. You be aware of these things. You know these things. You know that the Lord will return. But you be careful. Be aware. Lest you also be pulled away by the wickedness. The wickedness of the culture. We can see it. We can see that wickedness. We can see the influence of our culture all around. We can see the influence of people without Jesus in their life. 
Let us be careful that we're not pulled away. Let us make sure we're prepared. Let us make sure, here's the encouraging thing, that we are looking forward to and longing for that day. If we can help you in any way this morning, we ask that you will come forward and let us assist you any way we can. As together we stand and sing.